When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. My name is Bill Moore. I am a food truck business trainer, author of Food Truck 101, Beginner to Winner, and Food Truck 201, Get Off the Truck. This podcast is all about helping you start and grow your food truck business. If you guys listened yesterday, you know that I am going to be doing kind of a Cliff Notes version of my book, Food Truck 101, Beginner to Winner. Yesterday, we talked about Chapter 1, which is entitled, I Have a Food Dream. Today, we move on to Chapter 2, which is called what's on the menu. This is where you're going to be really thinking about your menu in detail and pricing it out. And you need to be thinking in terms of what your cuisine is going to be and maybe even what your signature product would be. For me, I always sold hot dogs and hamburgers. That was my go-to menu no matter where I was at. Even when we were in St. Thomas and doing the little boat trips, we had hamburgers and hot dogs as a choice. Not very many people, not very many people chose them. They usually went for the more expensive stuff, but we still had them there as an option. So think about your signature product and then also learn to edit yourself. A larger menu does not equal larger sales. It never has and it never will. Larger menu equals very, very slow speed of service and in potentially lots of waste. So when you have your menu, and you've got an idea of what you're going to sell, and we haven't even worried about costing it out yet. What we're worried about is, does it taste right? Can you make it to where people enjoy it? So you should be testing your food, and it's not only you eating it and your family eating it, but test it on strangers. Take it to work with you. Take it to church with you, and get some honest opinions. So you always want to test your food on people that are not necessarily related to you, because when they're related to you, they might want to ease up your ego just a little bit and not tell you that something sucks when it sucks. So you got to understand how people's palates work, especially when they're not within the family group. Families tend to eat and like the same types of foods. So you need to find out what other people like and if they like your food. So after you've got your menu tested, you kind of have a pretty good idea of what the portioning is going to be and what every ingredient is going to be. Then you start to do the shopping. What's this actually going to cost me to prepare it the way that these people are saying they like it? And you want to start with quality then worry about how much it costs you and how much you're going to be charging. Because people are going to know when you start to skimp on quality. And you want to price your menu down by portion and by everything that goes into it. So if you're going to be using bun oil, for instance, you got to measure out the bun oil that goes on those buns and know how much it costs you per portion that goes on a bun. If you season the hamburger meat or whatever your particular product is, if you season it, or you put a rub on it. You gotta know how much all those seasonings and rubs cost. Those things are usually forgotten on the recipe or they're estimated. And somebody will go, yeah, it's about a quarter's worth. Well, what if it's not a quarter's worth? What if it's 30 cents or 50 cents? Certain seasonings are quite expensive and they add up very quickly if you don't take the portioning part seriously. And this leads to a loss in your expected profits. So remember when you're starting to figure out what you're going to charge, after you got all the portions down and we're, say, a hamburger. So you know the bun, the lettuce, tomato, ketchup, pickles, onions, and tomatoes. Got all that costed out. You know exactly how long it's going to take you to cook it. Then you start to price it. Now, I always recommend people start at a 25% food cost. So you would take your total cost, multiply it by four, and that will give you a 25% yield on your food cost. 
The reason I want people to start at 25% is because from my experience, whatever you put on paper is not what you run in real life. So if your recipe says you're going to spend $2 per hamburger, most likely you're spending maybe $2.20, $2.25. You're spending more than you anticipated, which drives your food cost higher. In my experience, again, usually somebody at a 25% food cost is running really about 30, 33, somewhere in that range. They're about off anywhere from 5 to 8%. So that's why it's very cringeworthy to me when I hear somebody say, yeah, there's three times cost, you know, 33%. Well, number one, there's been no restaurant chains do, doing a 33% food cost as a goal since 1982. But even when they started lowering their food cost goals, they were taking inventories and they knew exactly what their recipe said in comparing to what they were doing in real life and then getting onto people when they didn't hit the goal. Whereas independent restaurant owners and food truck owners don't take an inventory. They just go out and buy a couple hundred dollars worth of food and make a bunch of sandwiches, make some sales, and then they buy some more food for the next day. They never really compare what the recipe that they sat down and wrote says they should be running in a food cost to what they actually are running in a food cost. So when I tell you 25% food cost, I'm assuming you're probably going to run about 30%, which still leaves you enough money for profit. But when some nut out there tells you run 33% because that's what all the restaurants do, which is a lie, they do not. But if you follow that advice and you end up running at 38 or 40%, you'll be joining those people that are saying they've been open for two and three years and haven't paid themselves yet. That's why they haven't paid themselves yet. So when you're sitting to do your price, once you got that four times cost and you see that number and you're going, oh, that's really expensive. They won't pay that much for a hot dog. Consider that you're being mobile means you're also convenient and you're in a spot where there's no other food. Because obviously you're not sitting in the dining room with some other restaurant. So you're someplace where there's no other food or very limited food choices, which means you have the ability to add on value to your food through your convenience. That helps to justify some higher prices. You got to understand you do not have to be cheaper to be perceived as better. You have to have better value. Value can come in the form, again, of a great location. It can also come in the form of generosity. It can also come in the form of just better service. You're faster than somebody else. You're more friendly than somebody else. People will pay a premium for those things. But if you choose not to be any of those things, people won't pay for your food at all. If you run your food cost for a product and you're looking at going, man, even with this perfect location, it's still too expensive. There are certain food products you cannot get a four times cost out of them because it's just too expensive. It also could be that the particular area that you're going to be selling in simply can't afford it. That's okay because not every single product you sell will, will have a 25% food cost as an average. What it'll have is you may have one product have a 33% food cost, but then you can add on a drink and a bag of chips, which have a lower food cost, which brings the ticket total back down to that 25% range that we're looking for. So when I say a 25% food cost, it's a starting point for pricing, but it's okay to be above it. You want the average food cost to be 25%. So for instance, a bottle of water costs you about eight cents. Clearly you're not going to sell that for 32 cents because that's four times cost. You're going to sell it for a dollar at least, if not a dollar 50. So on a dollar, that eight cents water gives you an 8% food cost. So you compare that water with that hamburger that may have a 35% food cost. Now those two things added together get you closer to that 25% goal. That's how food cost works. That's how menu pricing works. That's why side items, comparatively to what they are, are expensive to help bring down the cost of the things that they can't get that low food cost on. 
So a uh, part of food cost is also suggested selling when you finally get open. So you're going to pair a high food cost item with a low food cost item and suggest to sell that as a combo or as a featured product. And then any add-ons, like if you sell hot dogs, adding on chili, you can add that on for a dollar and you might only put in 20 cents worth of chili. So that's a 20% food cost. So that's awesome. Would you like chili on that? Absolutely. Would you like cheese on that? Would you like bacon on that? That's why when you go to a fast food restaurant that's well-ran, the cashiers are suggested selling because that's what they've been taught to do. But the reason they're taught to do that is because it helps lower the food cost and drives up the average ticket. You want to go ahead and preset your menus for different venues. And what I mean is if you're going to be selling on the street, you're going to have a different price structure for that menu than you would if you go to an event, if you do a catering, if you go to the beach, for instance, if you go to a park. So have those different menus and don't worry about people saying, well, how come we did rides over here? Again, they're paying for your location. They're paying for your convenience. For me, when I was able to vend on the beach, I would be the only food on the beach. So yes, I could get a really premium price on that because, not because the food was any different, but because of the convenience. The people didn't have to dust themselves off and shower all that sand off, put on dry clothes and go dry to get something to eat. They could come up to me, get a hot dog and stay on the beach. So location has value you can add to your menu. A lot of people start out by pricing their menu very similarly to their competition. That will end up being a problem because you're assuming they actually know what they're doing. And they may not. They may be one of those people that hasn't taken into account all the seasonings, all the oils, and all the other different things that people just say, eh, 25 cents, it'll cover it. They may just be totally guessing on their prices. Do not play follow the leader because they're not the leaders. You are, and you're going to be. So you set the prices based on what you know to be profitable for you. And as long as you're giving good quality and have high value perception in your food, you will be fine. You want to make sure you're using portion control at every instance. So if something requires three quarters of an ounce of mayonnaise, how are you going to measure that? How do you know? Same with ketchup, same with mustard, same with pickles, same with anything that you put on your products. How will you know what that portion is and how will you accomplish that? There's all kinds of portion control devices out there. Look into them. For things that are done visually, either do it by count, like pickles, for instance. You can count the number of pickles, you can count the number of onion rings, but have some type of measurement in place. You want to develop your procedure and stick to it and practice it. You'll get faster and faster and make less and less mistakes when you make yourself do it right every time. So when the line gets to be 20 people deep or 30 people deep or 60 people deep, you don't take shortcuts. You do it right. You just make yourself go faster. It's the only way to get good is to make yourself do it. So we've been talking now about doing food costs and some of the basics on food costs. This particular chapter, what's on the menu, goes into other details. I'll give you just real quick about those details. Every single piece of food that you're talking about to go on your menu needs a home. It's on your trailer and it may need multiple homes on your trailer. So for instance, a hamburger patty comes in frozen, let's say. So it means you need a freezer. Then where are you cooking it? And then if you're holding it, where are you holding it? And then why? While you're cooking it, how are you turning it over or how are you picking it up? So you're thinking about all of those different pieces of equipment because you're developing a list for equipment of what you need. And you do that for every single product that you're putting onto that particular hamburger. So where am I storing my buns? If I'm putting cheese on it, where am I getting the cheese? Where am I storing it? In the refrigerator, obviously in the big packages, but when I'm getting ready to put on a sandwich, where is it going to be? What size pan? Think about the tongs you would need, the scoops you would need, the pumps you would need to distribute or to measure anything. How am I getting mayonnaise on the sandwich? Am I using a squirt bottle? Am I using a spatula? Same with ketchup, squirt bottle, spatula, spoon. 
So think about the small wares because you will need them. Think about the pans, all that stuff will go in. And then think about where's the pan? Is it sitting in a prep station? How many pans are on that prep station? 12, 16, 18 pans? What about the refrigerator? Think about everything that's going to be going in that refrigerator so you have an idea how big it needs to be. So this is more than an exercise of how much does this hamburger cost? You're developing a list of your small wares and all the equipment because a little bit later on in the book, you need all that to be able to do your business plan. Thank you guys so much for listening to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. If you're finding all the information helpful to your business, please become a monthly supporter of the podcast. Just hit the support button or follow the link in the description. Every little bit does help keep us going. Join our Facebook group. It's called Food Truck Training. We have a whole bunch of awesome members at all different levels from brand new beginners to decades old veterans. They've all got your back when it comes to helping you with your food truck. And again, thank you for listening. Come back tomorrow because you know i got plenty more to say when it comes to helping you and your food truck business grow.